Dear Lord, we thank you. You have said, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come asking because you've bidden us to ask. We come believing because you've told us to believe. And we come claiming it as Jesus did at the grave of Lazarus. Thank you. We are forgiven. We are cleansed if we will but accept. Thank you in thy lovely name. Amen. Amen. I would like to have us to begin with at this special program to open to Micah, the seventh chapter <clears throat> and the 18th verse. And this we're dedicating to every heart that finds it difficult to believe that he's forgiven or she's forgiven. And we're all going to read this one together. Those of you out in the viewing audience, the listening audience, may unite with us in this marvelous, marvelous verse. In fact, we'll read the two verses, Micah 7, 18 and 19. Uh, I'm going to give just another instant for those out in the radio land, the TV circle, to find their text with us. Are you ready? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will, he will subdue, subdue our iniquities, iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? My friends, this text represents many, many other texts of Scripture which we want to share with one another here and with our audience. Single space, typewritten letter that I read today. It's of a lady that passed through all kinds of troubles from her earliest childhood up until she wrote the letter. She had gone to church after church of uh, various denominations and uh, contradictory faiths, all seeking for peace, for forgiveness, for happiness. Finally, the, the, the problems were so many. They were so varied. They were so deep that finally she said, I actually looked up at the face of God and I shook my fist in the face of God. Dear God, why are you not forgiving me? But she said, I'm happy to tell you, Pastor Kuhn, that God in his mercy, in his long suffering, in his patience, after all that I'd said against him and to him, he forgave me completely. And the 10 page letter ended up with peace. Isn't that wonderful? So we can say amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. One of my favorite songs, I think the next to my first choice, is the song in our hymnal, Blessed Assurance. It's 608 in the, in the hymnal. You might want to be looking at it for a couple moments as I share with you a couple other experiences that we've had. And then we're going to turn to the Bible for promises for any individual in the audience, in the viewing audience, in the listening audience, who finds it hard to believe that God forgives. I'm thinking of a lady that was in church at the close of one of my meetings, and she came to my wife and me, and we sat in that church for two hours straight, trying to convince her that God would still forgive her. There was nothing that we could say nothing that would convince her. And so because of this, I want to share uh, with you, and we'll all share together, a number of precious Bible promises, hoping that as we read these together, the viewing audience as well as ourselves, the listening audience as well as ourselves, may know that we're reading the immutable, eternal, impeccable words of God, the words of forgiveness, the words of cleansing, and we have a right to take hold of these words and know that God who cannot lie has promised us forgiveness and therefore we also may forgive ourselves. Uh, would you threesome sing Blessed Assurance and we'll come in on the chorus. <coughs> 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Mary Lou, would you sing that next stanza? Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, raising my Savior. audience and the listening audience to sing that chorus again with us everybody this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long mary lou you didn't expect i was going to ask this because we didn't rehearse but you know, as you were singing Blessed Assurance, something spoke to my heart and said, she has blessed assurance in Jesus. Praise the Lord. And that's the assurance that we want everyone to have. And Dottie, by the way, friends, this is the pastor's wife. As we look into your face, we believe you have blessed assurance. Isn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord. And uh, Damon, the, the twinkle in your eyes is the twinkle we want to get through to everyone that's doing this. There is a blessed assurance in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen with us? Amen. All right. Thank the Lord. Now, I'm thinking of a neighbor of mine. He'd been a neighbor for many years, nearly 20 years. But now he was sick, sick almost unto death. He knew he couldn't continue very many more months. And I went up with him to kneel beside him and to pray for him. And as I was there in his home sitting like we're sitting together, he opened his heart to me. He said, Pastor, I have a great burden on my heart. He said, I've had this burden on my heart for many, many years, perhaps, perhaps 20 years. I think more than that. In fact, I think he said about 30 years. He said, uh, I was divorced from my first wife because of some indiscretion on her part. But he said, I never told anyone that I myself was also guilty. And he said, this unconfessed sin has preyed on my soul for these 30 long years. He said, do you suppose that the reason why I'm sick, the reason why I'm a cripple, is because God never forgave me? I said, brother, did you ask God to forgive you? Oh, he said, did I ask him? I have pleaded with him to forgive me. I said, then you're forgiven. You have the blessed assurance. You have a right to accept that blessed assurance that you're completely forgiven. For Isaiah 118 says, and can we quote it, quote it together? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as, as well. I don't know whether I shared with him an experience that I'd had. I was flying from Los Angeles to San Diego, a very short flight, several years ago. And as we still went up very high in the plane, high enough so as I looked out of the window, I thought, well, I'll see uh, some, of the, some of, the, of the earth pictures between San Diego and Los Angeles. And you know, I couldn't see anything. I saw nothing of the earth. I saw nothing but that which looked like, like rolled wool. 
And of course, that text in Isaiah 118, Pastor Verse Day, came to me overwhelmingly. I said, as the Lord looks down on us, and he, he chooses not to see our earthiness, he sees nothing but the pure wool life of Jesus. And as I, as I looked, I just, my heart just bubbled over in gratitude to the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. My past, the past of anyone, no matter how wicked, no matter how scarlet their life may be, the Lord chooses to look down, not with X-ray eyes that looks beneath the purity of Jesus, but he only chooses to see that pure life that covers our lives. And I said, thank you. In fact, I wrote. I just was writing uh, just as fast as I could write. It seemed that the Spirit was inspiring me. And I, as I think of it now, I believe that I was saying to people, take it, take that promise. There's wool between your sins and the, and the judgment of God. Jesus doesn't have to plead with the Father to love us. Right, Pastor Bristol? That's right. He loves us already with an everlasting love. He is only pleading his blood because the accuser of our brethren, Revelation 12, 10, is always radioing up in there to heaven and saying, look at the mistakes Glenn Kuhn has made. Look at the mistakes that Jim Whiz has made. Look at the mistake that John Barker has made. You can't forgive him. You have no right to forgive him. And Jesus stands there before his Father, before the whole universe looking on. He said, I died in his place. And my crimson blood has covered his crimson sin. And I often like to tell of the, of the waitress in the restaurant who was talking with a church worker. And he was quoting to her, Isaiah 118, though your sins be as scarlet. And she was remonstrating, you know, but I, I, I'm too big a sinner. But, but uh, though your sins be as scarlet, he said, but my sins are scarlet. He said, that's just it. Your scarlet sin is covered with, her, with his scarlet blood. Oh, she said, I see his scarlet blood over my scarlet past makes it white as snow. I'm thinking of Charlotte Elliott, who was talking with a minister. And he was saying, he was claiming, quoting to her some of these precious promises that we're going to quote together. And she said, but I just can't, I can't comprehend that the Lord Jesus, who is so pure and righteous and holy, that he would, that he would take me. And he kept quoting her promise after promise after promise, as we're going to quote, and she would keep saying, but I can't comprehend it. She said, I just don't find myself able to believe it. It's too wonderful to believe. How in the world can a pure God, a holy Christ, who's never committed a sin, take on my life with all of its faults and all of its sins and all the ugly things I've done? And the pastor would keep saying, Look, come to him just like you are. You don't have to change a thing in your life. You can't work your way into heaven. It's impossible. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may we, though vile as he, wash all our sins away. And he tried, I think, perhaps two hours. He was hoping that the Holy Spirit would get through to her and she'd be able to say, not because I feel it, not because I deserve it, am I forgiven and cleansed, but because God has promised it through my substitute, Jesus Christ. And in Romans, you remember, in fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, he was made sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As the, as the pastor prayed with her and went on his way, she went back upstairs she secluded herself, Charlotte Elliott. And as she stu uh, studied on it and meditated and pondered, how in this world can God take a sinner like me and forgive me? And the Holy Spirit came down and saturated her heart, and she sang the song. I mean, she composed it, just as I am, without one plea. <laughs> but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, 
waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, pardon, cleanse, receive. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. That's what we are here for at this meeting. And this is what we are praying, claiming the promise of the Holy Spirit and wisdom that our viewing audience, our listening audience, will be like Charlotte Elliot, that they'll be like my neighbor, who as I claimed these promises and told him he was totally forgiven, he knelt down crippled as he was, as difficult as it was for him to kneel, the tears coursing down his cheeks, he was able to say, Thou wilt receive, thou wilt pardon, cleanse, relief. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. All these hundreds of letters represented by what you see in the open trunk represent troubled, frustrated, confused, longing, pleading souls who don't know whether they have a right to believe. Thank God we do have a right to believe, right? Amen. We do have a right. And as we rose from our knees, my neighbor hobbled over to where I was and I met him partway. And he shook my hand as warmly as he could. He squeezed it. Oh, he said, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. He indicated that he could receive complete pardon. And because God had forgiven him, he could forgive himself. You remember in the last session, in fact, it was the first, the beginning of this series, the topic was uh, open yourself to healing. And we'll not repeat what we covered uh, in our last, in our, in our first session, actually. But while I was struggling 31 years ago as a minister, how about total forgiveness for me? Here now, I need healing. But guilt, guilt is still pressed in on me by the devil. For you remember in the Old Testament times, if, if a leader in Israel had done wrong, even a slight wrong as we'd call it, he had to offer the same sin offering that all Israel had offered, which showed the heinousness of the sin of a person who's received great light. So to me, as a minister, the devil was accusing me, see, look, what uh, the average person would call a little sin is very big. And then I turned to that beautiful book, The Ministry of Healing, again, page 247. And friends, I read a statement that I'd like to share with you. To me, I'd never, I had never thought of it before. I'd never meditated on it before. But now it, it became alive. It almost jumped out at me. <clears throat> and it said this. Christ is a wellspring of life. That which many need is to have a clear knowledge of him. They need to be patiently and kindly, yet earnestly taught, how the whole being may be thrown open to healing agencies. When the sunlight of God's love illumines the darkened chambers of the soul, restlessness, restless weariness, and dissatisfaction will cease, and satisfying joys will give vigor to the mind and health and energy to the soul. I said, Lord, my whole being is to be thrown open. I said, now, I've learned from the Bible that my whole being is my soul and my mind and my body. So I said, Lord, how do we throw our soul open? And then I remember texts of scriptures that declare the whole world is guilty. The thing that the accuser of our brethren is pressing upon every one of us is you're guilty. God does not forgive. Satan has never accepted the principle of forgiveness. You've committed a sin, you cannot be forgiven, therefore you might just well keep on sinning, you might as well pile it up there, and he's piling on the guilt, piling on the guilt, piling on the guilt. And it said, I can throw my whole soul open to healing agencies. That means that guilt is probably the major reason for sickness, guilt. So if we can get rid of guilt, if we can forgive ourselves, knowing that God forgives us, all is well. So I want to share with you and with our viewing audience, our listening audience, some of these promises that thrill my soul. 
and maybe we can take turns reading some of them. Uh, Damon, how about your turning to Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 4? And Pastor Burstay, how about your reading Isaiah, uh, uh, no, Psalm 103, 13 and 14? And uh, Mary Lou, you could read later Isaiah 43, 25, because it's the same, it's the same chapter your husband has, and it'll be easy for you to share it. Uh, Mary Lou, how would you like to read Jeremiah 3.13? Uh, Dottie, I'm sorry. Dottie, Mary Lou, I just gave her hers. <laughs> Thank you, Dottie. Jeremiah 31.3, Jeremiah 31.3, verse 3. And any in our viewing, listening audience may take your Bibles and open them and turn to any of these that you would like also. Uh, would you, my dear friend, <laughs> Charles, like to read 1 John 1, 9. And, uh, and Mrs. Kuhn, Isaiah 44, 22. And then, uh, how about, uh, how about uh, our all will, will may then quote Isaiah 1, 18. Now, viewing audience, listening audience, and those who are here, notice God's promises. And you may be interested to know why I selected these specific promises. It is because, you see, I'm a student under the pen of this, the author of this wonderful book. And in page 122 and page 123 and 124, the author has suggested these promises for the physician, mind you, for the physician to read to individuals who are on their sickbed. Perhaps they are assumedly on their deathbed. And I want to read with you what my teacher has read, and then we'll start with these promises. To one who stands trembling with fear on the brink of the grave, to the soul weary of the burden of suffering and sin, see, the soul who cannot forgive itself, let the physician, as he has opportunity, read the words of the Savior, for all the words of Holy Writ are his. And then these are the texts that were And Damon, would you like to read that first text in Isaiah 44, 1 to 3? It's Isaiah 43, 1, 1 to 4. 1 That's to right. 4. <laughs> okay. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Thank you. It says, Thou wast precious in my sight. I thank the Lord that we are precious to him. No matter how unworthy we are, we're still precious in his sight. And now, Pastor Verstey, would you like to read that one in Psalm 103? This is Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. So we have a heavenly father. He's our daddy. Of all the religions in the world, the only religion that thinks of God as father is the Christian religion. No wonder Jesus said, our father. We're to start with the words, our father. And when we use that words, our father, it's like the sweetest music in the ears of the Lord. So he's not turning in the opposite direction. He's not saying, I'm not listening. He's eager for us to come to him through Jesus Christ. Don't we thank the Lord for that? Amen. And now, uh, uh, Mary Lou, how about reading the other verse in Isaiah, the 43rd Third. chapter? Verse 25. Verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Lord has promised to blot out our transgressions. He's promised not to remember our sins. 
Well, if the Lord is willing to, to, to forget them, shouldn't we be willing to forget them? <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. All right. Now, the next one is, is Jeremiah 31, verse 3. And I think that is Dottie's turn. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Thank you. An everlasting love. A love that forgets. So he said, I want you to forgive. I want you to forget. I don't want you to go down in the rubbish pile and start digging up all your past sins. I want you to forgive yourself as freely as I have forgiven you. And then, uh, Charles, I think you have 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And brother, I say that's a wonderful, wonderful promise from the Lord. Viewing audience, listening audience, let's take it from the lips of truth. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We can really claim his promise. And, uh, and didn't you have a, a promise? My, my wife had one that she's going to read. Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. And so we're, we've gathered together to seek this blessed assurance in Christ so that those of us will be able to share, those in our viewing, listening audience will be able to share with others. The song is number eight in our particular church hymnal. We gather together. Let's all sing it together. Who will give us the key? How about me doing it? All right. <clears throat> we gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens his will to make known. The wicked oppressing now cease from distressing. Sing praises to his name, he forgets not his own. One more stanza. Peace all do extol thee, thou leader triumphant, and pray that thou still our defender will be. Let thy congregation escape tribulation, Thy name be ever praised, O Lord, make us free. Some time ago, we received a letter from a very dear relative of mine. And it shows how the accuser of our brethren can keep on accusing. This dear relative said, Glenn, he said, I was walking along one day, and suddenly the terrible thought came to me, you're not forgiven. It's too late. You've sent away your day of grace. There's no hope for you at all. And he said, and I've, I'm persuaded that there's no hope. I said, uh, I wrote back, of course, right away. And I quoted some of these wonderful promises from God's immutable, eternal word. You see how the devil tries to, to snatch these precious, assuring promises from the human heart? It, in the beginning, when the angels fell, uh, while they were deciding whether to really go with Satan or not, and they first sort of sided with him, then they decided, a number of them decided that they, they would go back to the Lord and, and be reinstated. And my favorite author says that at this point, Satan said, you can't be forgiven. So you see, from the very beginning of time down through till today, the devil's ace card for an individual who's sinned, after he's led him into sin and told him it was wonderful to be in sin and that it wouldn't really be uh, heart-rending or it wouldn't really cause him to worry, the moment he does it, he says, look, no forgiveness for you. So I wrote this friend of mine a long letter, quoting one promise after another, Pastor Verstey. And you know, it couldn't get through. Finally, he flew out to where we're holding a series of meetings. And we went for walks together. And I quoted one scripture after another. 
And all he could look at was what Satan had said. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. There's no opportunity to forgive. God will not forgive. You're lost. You've committed unpardonable sin. He couldn't forgive himself. I kept praying for the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, the Holy Spirit, as found in John 16, 8, it says, He will not merely reprove the world of sin, but convince the world of righteousness. Which means that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, he doesn't speak like the devil. The devil accuses and says there's no hope. The Holy Spirit says, yes, you've made a mistake. You have sinned. But you can live a righteous life through Jesus Christ. I will come into your life and I'll give you the power. And he said, you can face the judgment in peace. My, what a wonderful, wonderful privilege that is to believe it, Amen. to know it's ours, right? And it is ours. Now, this was a battle. Oh, by the way, finally, as I was praying for the Holy Spirit and wisdom, finally this relative said, yes, I have a little hope. Yes, it's coming through. Months later, I was in his home, and I said to him, I said, Tom, you know the battle you had with believing that God has forgiven you? Are you still fighting that battle? He said, no, I now have assurance. Oh, that's why, why we have gathered together, right? We've come to seek the Lord's blessing that not merely will we fight off the devil's accusings, but we, and those of our viewing audience, you in the viewing audience, you in our listening audience, will beat back the, the terrible uh, battle, uh, fierce onslaughts of Satan. Our favorite author says, when the devil comes to you and says, you're a great sinner, you're to say, yes, but I have a bigger savior than my sin. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, David, King David, you know, after he had committed this terrible sin in stealing a man's wife and then having him put in the forefront of the battle and slain, it appears from the Bible record, to the best of our knowledge, he, he didn't confess it for months. This is why he says in the 32nd chapter, the 32nd Psalm, uh, you'll read from the first verse on down to the fifth and sixth, he said, my roaring all the night long. In other words, he was under terrible guilt, but he, but he just wouldn't confess it. And then when Nathan the prophet came in and gave him that parable, you remember, and David's, uh, David's indignation was stirred against this man that, that wouldn't take a lamb from his own flock and went over and took a, the, the man's little pet lamb. David said, that man will die and he will restore fourfold. And Nathan said, you're the man. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan instantly said, the Lord has put away your sin. Now then we find David in the 51st Psalm, and perhaps we all should turn to it. We find David <coughs> making this special request of the Lord. And, uh, and it's a message for every one of us. Uh, while we're turning to it, by the way, how do we know that this message is for us. How do we know these promises and prayers of the Old Testament are for us? Some people find it difficult to take an Old Testament promise and, it, and apply it to New Testament times. But in 1 Peter, the first chapter in the 12th verse, we read that those men who wrote these words, the Holy Spirit revealed to them that they were not writing it nearly as much for their day as our day. Isn't that wonderful? Because the word of God never dies, you see. That's why Jesus said, when accosted by the devil, and he, it's recorded in Matthew 4, 4, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God's word, we can understand how this word is now coming from his lips. I can't understand the virgin birth, but I believe it. So God's word is ever living, just as though God were breathing it right now, you see. So we can take all these promises of the Old Testament, there for us, and here it is. Here was what David cried out to the Lord. Verses 10 to 12. Would you like to all read together? Those out in, in, in radio land, shall we call you? You may read too if you'd like. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, 
and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And the Lord answered his prayer. We know the Lord answered his prayer. And out of this experience, he says this in the 13th verse altogether. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In other words, the Holy Spirit is impressing him to say, just like the Lord restored to me the joy of his salvation, just like he created in me a new heart, so now I'm sharing this with you, and you can fully accept it, he is saying, just as I did. I will teach you God's ways. You can be converted. You can change your mind. You can forgive yourself because you know the Lord has forgiven you. Now, when we take that attitude, we turn to Romans 15, 13 to find the wonderful change that can take place in our hearts. Romans 15, 13. And beloved out in radio land, viewers, listeners, oh, may the Holy Spirit impress this upon every heart so that when we conclude this, this meeting at this hour, you will walk out of this meeting and say, Lord, I am forgiven. I am cleansed. Jesus is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. Shall we read it together? Verse 13. Now the God, God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So the great physician is here. He is here impressing us all. He is speaking to us in the still small voice. And beloved, when the devil comes along with his accusings, remember that the physician can heal us of our doubts. He can heal us of our guilt. He can say you can forgive yourself because Jesus forgives you. Would you be willing to sing that song, The Great Physician Now Is Here? As many stanzas as you feel impressed. Okay. The great physician now is near, the sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer, or hear the voice of Jesus. Sweet as not in seraph song, Sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. His name dispels my guilt and fear, no other name but Jesus. Oh, Jesus have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. When we drink in of the water of life, that contains all the forgiving grace, the mercy, of our Lord and Savior. When we get out of this water of life, we become restless, filled with guilt. Let me tell you the story of, of a Bonita. We were fishing with a medical doctor and a ministerial friend of mine down in the Atlantic, just off the coast of Florida several years ago. They'd asked me to go fishing with them, and I said, I said, it won't do any good. I can't catch a fish. 
They said, why not? We catch them. Well, I said, I want to tell you. I said, I have fished in Florida before. I said, I can cast my hook in, all baited, right in the midst of a school of fish. And they won't touch it. They'll just look up to me and they say, so what? <laughs> so I said, it won't do any good if I go. Well, the doctor said, we will help you. We'll teach you. And they said, we'll go far out, several miles out, and we'll go trolling. I didn't know what trolling was. Sound sounded like a, a trolley car. Anyhow, so uh, they loaned me their fish, a hook and line, and a spoon. And I said, a spoon? What's that spoon for? They said, that spoon glitters. And the fish will grab the spoon, and when he grabs the spoon, he'll grab the hook. And I thought, that's just the way the devil gets us to grab him. He makes the world flicker and look pretty, and when we grab that which looks good, there's a hook there. So I trolled along, and, and I said, there's, there's no reason for you to think I'm going to catch anything. I said, I've had too much experience. They said, you'll get something. By and by, you'll get a strike. And brother, when I got a strike, I thought I had a whale. I tell you, I couldn't believe that it was only a 27-inch bonita fish. I thought it would be at least uh, 25 foot long. The way that <laughs> fish struggled with me, brother, and I had never been able to bring him in, except they knew how to move dexterously that, that boat, you see. And they'd tell me how to let, let the line out and then, and then pull it in, keep it just tight enough, and as he would pull, let it, don't, but don't let it get slack. And uh, I learned quite a lesson. But the biggest lesson, the biggest thing that impressed me was when finally I was pulling the fish up and the doctor, bless his heart, put down under this fish. What is they put under the fish? A, a landing net. A landing net. <laughs> and the fish landed in that net. And, we, and when we put him on the deck, that 27-inch bonita fish flopped as though he were made of electricity. I couldn't believe that any fish could flop so long without getting exhausted. And I, and I said, what in the world is he doing? Of course, I knew what he was doing, but what I meant was, how in the world can he, can he flop so long? I said, what is he doing? They said, he's dying. <laughs> and I pitied him. And then the thought came to my mind, aha, uh -huh, my favorite author said that the reason that so many people are restless under guilt is because they're trying to find out of Christ that which can only be found in him. The fish was out of water. And when we, the devil, gets us out of Christ, and then he pounces on us and says, you can't be forgiven, you can't be forgiven, let us never forget that there's a river of water of life, clear as crystal, in Jesus. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth come. Let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He'll put us back in the water of his grace. We're told that surrounding our earth, there's a great ocean of water in the atmosphere. And we thank the Lord around every human soul, there's the water of God's grace. And if we'll just not listen to Satan anymore, the Lord will draw us spiritually up into this great river of life that is surrounding this earth just like the atmosphere. His grace surrounds this earth just like the atmosphere. So let us be drawn by his drawing magnet out of, this accusings of these accusings of Satan, you see. He is the accuser of our brethren. You remember over in Joshua, you might want to turn to the book of, uh, the book of uh, Zechariah. And it tells us there the story of, of, of Joshua, the third chapter beginning the first verse, and I'll read it while you're looking for it, and you may read quietly. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. See, there is, there is the high priest representing all of us sinners. And Satan stands there to resist him, to accuse him, see. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Isn't not this a brand plucked out of the fire? See, here's a soul 
God is representing our sins and ourselves as though we were in the fire, almost in the fire of the last day. And here, this brand is grabbed out of the fire, and Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he stood before the angel. That is, Satan standing before him pictured all his past life. Filthy garments. He presented none of his good deeds. He presented nothing except discouragement. And now, he answered and spake unto those that stood by. That's the angel. Say, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Lord, set, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. Now listen. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Satan is gone. Satan is gone. His accusings are all in the discard. And the Lord has clothed, clothed us with a change of garments. What a wonderful Savior. I'm thinking of a minister's daughter. <clears throat> she had rejected the Lord's Holy Spirit for years and years and years. She had attended revivals. She'd go to camp meetings. She would listen with the rest. But if when the call was made, if somebody tapped her on the shoulder and said, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? She would actually jeer. She would snap back at them. Mind your own business. When my wife and I came to this college church to pastor it, she, being a, a, a girlhood friend of my wife, uh, met us and uh, welcomed us warmly, and they exchanged some old-time events together. And then she said, I just want to throw out a caution. I'm not a Christian anymore. And she said, some people have been trying to high-pressure me. She said, we're going to be close friends under one consideration, and that is that you'll never talk to me about religion. So we agreed. But she came to every one of our meetings that started. It was called a spiritual emphasis week. That morning, each morning that week, we were teaching her boys in the church day school and other children how to come to Jesus, to get rid of our guilt, to claim his forgiveness and cleansing, and then how to find little prayer retreats. And I'd shared with them many of my own experiences. And by Thursday of that week, her two little boys, Jim and John, had found their own little prayer retreats. One had gone into a closet in the house and the other out in a, a batch of bushes. The breakfast was ready. <clears throat> Mother called Jim and John. No answer. She started hunting. She opened the closet door and there she found little Jim on his knees. She couldn't believe it. My boy talking to Jesus? What are you doing here, she demanded. He said, Mother, I was talking to Jesus. She said, breakfast is ready and where's your brother? He's out in the bushes talking to Jesus. Go and get him quickly and don't waste any time. They came, they sat down, you know, sheepishly. No blessing was asked on the food. Uh, you know, they weren't even as good as the animals. Even the birds, you know, when they take God's wonderful, wonderful water, they'll lift their, vo their, their voices, you know. And they weren't even as good as a bird. And they ate their meal in a hurry. She rushed the children off to school. Her husband went to work. And this girl was filled with the guilt of the devil. But the Holy Spirit came and gave her some of the promises such as we have been reading. She, she couldn't wash her dishes. She found she was almost paralyzed in that respect. But she rushed to the bedroom, flung herself on the bed, and began to sob. She said, she said Dear Lord, has it come to this where I'll even uh, scold my little boys who are loving Jesus? And she told me later, she said, a voice said to me, it's too late for you. Whose voice? Satan's. She said, but and I, I continued to sob. Another voice said something like this, though your sins, together, though your sins, sins be as scarlet, scarlet they, they shall be as, as white, white as, as snow. She said, Lord, as I was sobbing, I don't know which is your voice. She should have known because that is the voice of the Bible. And the other voice is not in the Bible. She said, Dear Lord, since I don't know which is your voice, if there still is hope for me, if you'll still forgive me, I've told Brother Kuhn not to mention me or to refer to me in any way, shape, or manner. 
pay no attention to me religiously. She said, I've been coming to his meeting every night, and he's been doing exactly what I said. He stands at the door shaking hands with people as they go out, pays no attention to me. She said, tonight, if there still is hope, help him to pay attention to me against my word. That night as she came out, I saw her down the line, and the Holy Spirit impressed me, pay attention to her. As she drew near, I reached my arm way out. I looked her full in the face, and Pastor first day, I said, how is everything? Oh, she said, I've got to see you after shaking hands with the people. We went back to the main auditorium, and she related this experience. She said, so there's hope. What shall I do? I said, you look to Jesus. Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and you'll be saved. He is saving you. He is forgiving you. He is cleansing you from every defilement of sin. You can believe it. I said, tomorrow morning, start a quiet hour with the Lord and report tomorrow night. The next night she came, her face was beaming. She said, I spent a whole hour reading that little book, Steps to Christ. When I was through reading, I wrote a letter to another backslider, a friend of mine. She showed me the letter. It was full of forgiveness and cleansing. <clears throat> because Jesus forgave her, she was able to forgive herself. And so, as we bring this little meeting to a close, I will pray and ask you to join with me, repeating phrase by phrase. Dear Father in heaven, Dear Father in heaven, I come to you through Jesus. I come to you through Jesus. My mediator. My mediator. My substitute. My substitute. My savior. My savior. I ask for his forgiveness. I ask for his forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. Because you've promised, I believe it. Because you've promised, I believe it. I am now forgiven. I am now forgiven. Since you forgive me. Since you forgive me. I am forgiving myself. I am forgiving myself. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.